My name is Patrick Nugent. On June 23, 2019, I started walking with Jesus. Come hear my story and the story of so many others whose lives have been changed by their walks with Him. Come walk with us. Thanks for walking with us today. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. I got the chance to sit with Melissa Nugent to talk with her about her lifelong walk with Jesus. Some of the things she's witnessed are amazing. She's been so influential in my life, it was wonderful to get the chance to sit and record some of it. We talked about growing up in a Christian home. Did I ever really make this choice for myself or am I just like following what I was always taught to believe? One of the things that I'm most intrigued by with people who grew up in a Christian home is the strength of their faith and how they deal with really tough questions. What do you do when you ask a good God to do a good thing and he says no? This conversation helped my walk with Jesus, and I hope it does the same for you. Thanks for listening. If you haven't visited us on Patreon yet, we are Walking with Jesus Podcast. Please follow us on socials and visit our webpage at walkingwithjesuspodcast.com. Please like, review, and support us on socials. We are hoping to reach as many people as we can with real stories of faith in the 21st century. Enjoy our walk with Melissa Nugent. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Walking with Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. I'm here today with Melissa Nugent, who is my sister-in-law, my brother Ben's wife. They've been married for almost 25 years. And so Melissa has been a huge part of my walk. And before I came to know Christ, she was one of the two people that I actually talked to about faith and questions that I had and all that. So she's been a part of my life since I was a teenager, and I've asked her all kinds of questions about faith over the years. I remember you and I driving one time talking about the the lamb, the symbolism of the lamb. You and I, it was like, a I don't remember where we were going, but it was just you and I in the car and it was dark. And we were talking about the symbolism of the lamb because I didn't understand. We had, maybe we were just leaving some, I don't know, but, but I remember you explaining the symbolism of the lamb and, and, and all of that, like straight out of revelation. Okay. That, well, that, uh, good that I had an answer off yeah, the cuff because that's did. not a topic I often discuss <laughs> randomly in the car, but okay. <laughs> but that was it. So, uh, so I'll let Melissa introduce herself and, and, uh, and just so that we can get to know her a little bit. Yes. Well, hey, <laughs> Melissa Nugent, as you mentioned, Happy sister-in-law to you. And um, yeah, I work for the Navigators alongside Ben in our collegiate ministry. So serve as part of our collegiate leadership team and involves lots of different projects, mostly helping our field staff that are on campuses around the U.S. do their jobs well and try to make things easier for them so that we can, they can do what they need to do and we can do the support work here. Right on. Uh, how'd you come to serve in that way? In, how'd you come to serve with NAVs? Great question. My dad actually became a Christian through the Navigators when he was in college in the 60s and 70s. Um, he went to Mankato State University, which is now Minnesota State University, I think. <laughs> and so I grew up hearing all about the Navigators. My parents did Navigator Bible studies in our home when I was a kid. And I mm. remember once a week, this whole group of adults coming over and studying the Bible and we had to be quiet and not bother them. <laughs> um, and the Navigators headquarters is here in Colorado Springs. We used to come every summer 
would go to family camp and just the navigators had lots of positive associations for me. So when I got to college myself, naturally the first thing I did was look for the navigators and see, is there a group here? Can I get plugged in in the same way that my dad Mm -hmm. did? So there wasn't um, full-time navigator staff on my campus, but there was a couple that was volunteering and serving and leading a study and meeting with students. So I jumped right in. Awesome. You and I have talked for years about your walk with Jesus. When did you start walking with Jesus? It's probably a two-pronged answer. So (laughs) apparently I prayed to ask Jesus in my heart when I was very young, like four or five. I have no memory of this happening, but I was with my mom. I feel like at that age, you have a lot of fear about, I just need to go to heaven and hell sounds really scary. Um, So, but I, you know, and I heard about Jesus in church and Mm-hmm. Sunday school. So I prayed with my mom. And I think it was real. Like it was authentic for what it can be for a five-year-old. Apparently, I was very worried about my brother. And so immediately went to go, you know, evangelize my two-year-old brother and try <laughs> to get him to pray. <laughs> but had a very, I mean, robust walk with Jesus my whole childhood. You know, yeah. we were in church often, but I wasn't like kicking and screaming, begging not to go. Was involved in youth group, was pretty involved even in optional things that my parents didn't force on me. Um, but I would say the second decision happened in college after like in my sophomore year of college. So mm-hmm. I went um, on an overseas trip to Russia with the navigators after my freshman year. And communism had only fallen a few years previously. It was just an amazing trip. And I had lots of great experiences. But coming back, I sort of had like a reverse culture shock of these Christians around here don't care at all. And no one mm-hmm. really no one's really following Jesus in the right way. So my conclusion was, therefore, I'm done with it too. I don't really know how that happens. It's in the years since I've seen other students have that reaction. So it's an interesting response Mm. to being overseas. But so that year of my sophomore year was one of real questioning for me. Do I really think this is real? Am I doing this because of my parents? Did I ever really make this choice for myself? Or am I just like following what I was always taught to believe? Um, I also am a very strong rule follower, so I couldn't quite like give it all up. So I still was involved, still going to Bible study, but questioning a lot internally. Um, and yeah, so pretty much that whole sophomore year was just rough for me trying to figure out who do I want to be and is this really for me? The summer after my sophomore year, I went to what we call a summer training program in mm-hmm. Colorado which is actually where I ended up meeting Ben, but, and sort of got, uh, not tricked into going, but I knew my parents really wanted me to go. Mm. And so I applied to go to this program. I lied on the whole application. You had to say like, what are you, you know, what, how are you reading the Bible? How are Mm. you sharing your faith? What are you learning? And all of my answers were what I knew they wanted to hear, but not at all real. Of course. But they got me accepted into the program. And so I was dating a non-believer at the time. I promised him, like, I'm not going to let them change me. Just I got to go for the summer to make my parents happy. Just we'll get through it. And when I get back, it'll be fine. (laughs) And pretty much, well, the first night I met Ben. And by like the second night, I was like, what have I been doing? Like, this is totally who I am. And yes, Jesus is real. And what, like, what have I been doing with my life? So it was the 90s, so I called my boyfriend on a payphone to break up with him, you know, like day four or five. And 
Haven't looked back since. How do you take so, it? Yeah. When you broke up with him over the phone he was after not promising thrilled. him that you were not going to let these people change you. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of nice that it was a payphone. There was no like FaceTiming. I couldn't see him. The worst was that I had stored all of my college stuff at his apartment for the summer. Whoops. So I had to go back, <laughs> face him and get it all. Ugh. Right. But, mm-hmm. All right. Um, since that since your sophomore year in college, have have you had any any more time, any more moments where faith has been questioned, faith has been shaken? Yes, definitely shaken. Yes. I don't know that I would say questioned to okay. the point of like, do I doubt this or not? But when Ben and I started to, trying to have children after mm-hmm. being married for four years, um, that was definitely a what in the world? Who is this God that I'm serving and what do I really believe about him? So we suffered for inf- with infertility for years, actually still have never gotten pregnant and it's all unexplained, which mm. I like to have answers to things. I like things to be wrapped up with a neat bow, um, but tried for years and years, did quite a bit of testing. Um, and in the midst of all that, yeah, I would say that was probably the lowest point of my walk with Jesus where I, I wasn't doubting that he was real, but I was like, who the heck are you? And people say that you're good and this doesn't feel very Mm. good. So, um, yeah, we were spending another summer in Colorado, ironically, and heard someone talk about the, the big question that hit me was, what do you do when you ask a good God to do a good thing? And he says, no, you yield. And that had been spoken at a friend's funeral, a friend that had died of cancer and his friend Mm. giving the eulogy, posed to that question in relation to the death of his friend, but it felt very poignant for me. Like I'm asking a good God to do a good thing. He says in the Bible that children are a blessing everywhere. I look, teenagers are getting pregnant. People that don't want their children are getting pregnant. Here we are, this couple that's following you and serving you and in full-time ministry. And we just want a baby. And you're saying no. And that is really crappy. Yeah. Um, So I could whine and throw a tantrum or my response could be you yield and that really just broke me. And in that moment, I think it just, again, shifted my whole perspective of, okay, I'm not God. Yeah. I have no idea what he's doing, but he does. Yeah. And so I think it will go better for all of us if I yield to what he's doing instead of whining and demanding my own way. So soon after that, he led us to adopt our son and then a couple of years later, our daughter. And that was a path I never would have dreamed or imagined for myself. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the adoption process, I know that, you know, you adopted your son from overseas. Um, in that process, I know there's been both with your son and your daughter, there's been challenges in that in the adoption process, you know, one overseas and then the other with, um, you know, parental rights in, in Florida and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so talk to me a little bit about the stress and anxiety of that process and how you turn that over to God. How do you, Ben and I actually talked about this too, about turning over like it, it's hard as a new believer. One of the, the, the things that I wrestle with. So my listeners all know that I've been walking with Jesus, you know, at this point right now, as we record, it's been three years. Um, but one of the things that I wrestle with is, Submitting, yielding. And so for you, is there a process that you follow for yielding or is it just like a, a mental mindset where you go, okay, well, I, 
I got nothing, so I'm going to I'm going to turn it over. This is a great question. <laughs> and I don't think I even know the answer. If you had the answer for how I could release my anxiety, that would be great. I was not a person that struggled with anxiety or fear or worry a lot growing up. And mm-hmm. even into my early years of marriage, I would have friends that were constantly, oh, I hear an ambulance. It's probably my husband who got in an accident on the way home from work. And I was just baffled. Like, what? How does your mind go there? Yeah. And why are you anxious about something you don't even know is real? Um, so not until I became a mom did I have any understanding of what that was like. So I guess my anxiety is more on what you know, raising them and watching them more than my own decisions or what's happening to me. But I would say, yeah, it's a constant, I wouldn't even say it's a daily yielding, but it's like a hourly yielding (laughs) or a minute by minute, just constant. (laughs) What am I doing? I can't worry about this. You know, like you said, adopting from overseas. He was a year old when we brought him home. Mm -hmm. So I had no control over what did birth mom put into her body for the nine months she was pregnant. And then how was he being cared for at this hospital in the middle of Russia for that whole first year? And were they holding him enough? And when he was crying, was somebody picking him up? And I couldn't control any of that. And I really like to control absolutely everything about my life and everyone's life around me. I just think it really (laughs) goes better. (laughs) So that was a huge, like, wow, I have no control over this and I can't go back in time and control what did already happen. Yeah. And as much as I would like to think I can control what is going to happen, I can't do that either. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a constant. I was just meeting with my therapist last week and she, I mentioned to her that question about yielding and she said, oh, have you gone back to that with the Lord again recently with like new challenges you Mm -hmm. have? And do you think that God is good now? And God isn't doing what you want him to do today. And have you yielded again? And I was like, well, I don't like that question at all. Thank you very much. Let's move on. (laughs) But it was a good reminder. Yielding is certainly not a one-time thing. Or once a year on your birthday, you decide to yield again this year. And like, it's my New Year's resolution. Um, But wow, it is just a constant mindset shift of, okay, and I'm going back to you, Jesus. And I can't control this again. And here we are. So Yeah. It's for sure, you know, as a, as a three-year-old believer, it's for sure that one of the more difficult things to do to, to, you know, for 40 years, I tried to control everything and tried to do all of that. And, uh, you know, I know there's a proverb that says the the plans of man are, uh, you know, will eventually yield to the plans of the Lord anyway. <laughs> you, you can plan all you want, but God's plan is going to be the one that happens. And so it's, um, it's definitely a difficult I've had a lot of difficulty with it. And so each, each time I talk with someone who's been a believer for their whole life, like that's one of my big questions is I'm fascinated because I want to just go, wow, what's that to, to, to be raised with that foundation of, of all of that versus, you know, Ben and I who went through most of our formative years without that foundation to then learn okay, well, I got to put this on. It's it's a lot. And so... Yeah, it is a gift that I often take for granted of having parents that, you know, we would have a challenge at home. And the response was, okay, let's all go into the living room and kneel and we're all going to pray and we're going to ask God, what should we do? And how, wow. you know, give it over to him. And that was normal to me. Yeah. I didn't realize all families didn't do that. Um, so yeah, super gift for sure. What do you think the biggest myth of Jesus is? When you tell people, I'm a Christian, 
Mm-hmm. You can't, we can't put thoughts onto people, but you know that there's an impression that goes through their head of what a Christian is or does and all of that. What do you think our culture, specifically 2022 American culture, the biggest myth going around about Jesus is? So that makes me think of two different things. Sorry to give you two answers. No, but <laughs> I like the two-pronged answers. You're full of them today. I am. <laughs> I When I think about that idea of like, I'm going to tell someone I'm a Christian, which I don't even like that word anymore. I yeah. would rather say Jesus follower or something else. But I think people separate it into two very different camps. One is that Christians are very judgmental and it's all about rules and you have to just follow all these things and you're hateful and anyone who doesn't follow what you believe, you know, is your enemy. But then on the flip side, a myth about Jesus is, well, he's all just love and everyone should just love each other. And he never, you know, like he never called us to do anything. So it's an interesting like juxtaposition of those two things. Like yeah. that Christianity is full of horrible rules and Jesus is just all love. And somehow those need to meet in the middle. Yes, huh. Jesus, of course, is loving and kind and wonderful and calls us to do that, but also calls us to more than that Yeah, and to obey and do what God is asking us to do, not to earn our salvation. And to yield. <laughs> as a result of our salvation. Yes, yes. So I think it's interesting that culture has sort of like divided those and hates both ends of it, but can't figure out how to yeah. meet that in the middle. Yeah, that is interesting. It's a really good answer. Thank you. What would you say to someone who's wrestling with coming to faith? I know because you have been, you know, the, the Navigators is an evangelistic group. It, the idea of the Navigators is to to make the gospel known. So as someone who's, whose job and whose husband's job is to make the gospel known, you have communicated with hundreds, maybe even thousands of <laughs> For for you and Ben, it's primarily students, right. you know, so college age students who are coming to faith. And so what when there's someone who's wrestling with it, is there a way that you address that with them, I guess, is is that the, the question I'm trying to get to? Well, I wish there was just one way. Of Wouldn't course. That be? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it's changed so much. Like when I look at generations, I mean, we're now two generations past my own wonderful Gen X generation. <laughs> so the idea of like, well, there's right and wrong and you are sin, you know, in sin and you need to fix that is not very, doesn't go very well anymore yeah. with current generation. So I would say it's much more like, who do you, who is Jesus? Have you really encountered him? Have you really looked at what the Bible says about him? Mm-hmm. That's more the approach, especially with younger and younger students is let's just read the Bible together. I'm not going to give you all the answers. I don't have all the answers. You aren't looking for me to be the answer woman, but let's just investigate together. Most students I find, oh, have never really read the Bible yeah, and are pretty willing. Like, okay, I'll read it. I mean, along with everything else I'm reading, but it's whatever, you know. So just to get them to encounter, like, the Bible is living and active and mm-hmm. God can certainly use someone reading the Bible to speak to them. So if I can just get a student, hey, let's just start reading John. Ask me all your questions. What does it say? Who's Jesus? How is he interacting with this woman? Yeah. Do you know how revolutionary that is, that he did that in that culture? And my experience is they're much more willing to do that. And then the encounter they have with Jesus will be a lot more real than just me trying to answer their top 50 questions in yeah. some lightning speed round or something. So. 
as I talk with folks, I mean, I'm primarily surrounded by people who aren't believers and in my daily life. And so as I communicate with them and talk with them, I get asked a lot of questions. And a, and a lot of it is stuff that I'm like, I don't have an answer for that. I have a response to that, but I don't have an answer. Like, there's only one that has the answers. And so right. I that's a that's a really good answer. And I know a lot of it is situational, too, sure. that like – Depending on what the question might be, you know, there's right. there's different things on on what people might be wrestling with about coming to faith. A lot of it is cultural, is, you know, a cultural understanding of, oh, well, you know, a modern American culture sees Christendom as oppressive. Oh, yes. you're you're telling me I can't be I can't be me. I can't do the the things. And so one of the things that, that I've talked with you about in the past is. That that's not it. That it's it, you actually still you're still you. You just you choose to to elevate something else above you, mm-hmm. and so yeah. and that's I think those were words that you said to me. Man, I I must have been twenty, like just a young. couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. like like I, still dating Kim and and maybe wow. even living with Kim at the wow. time. Yeah. And that's what because you know you and Ben had conversations with me about mm-hmm. you know you're living this way and. You're not you, you both you and Ben have this amazing gift that you're not you don't go out and hammer people over the head with the gospel. That is not either of the way that, that you do this, mm-hmm. but instead talk with them about choices and, and things like that. And so I've always really appreciated that, that and all of my friends that have encountered yeah. you every time I talk with my friends and I say, you know, my brother and his wife are coming. People are like, oh, well, that means we can't swear and that means we can't do this. And all. And I'm like, I don't know who you think they are. Like, my brother's not the Pope. Right. And and even then, you could still probably curse around the Pope. He'd probably get down on that. You know, <laughs> when someone comes to faith and, and starts their walk with Jesus, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to that. They, you know, to, to yield and to accept that I may, you know, I can't do this on my own. I, I think about Romans seven a lot like that. I know what I'm supposed to yes. do, but I just keep breaking it. I can't like, yes. and so when you finally just relinquish and say, all right, I'm a, I'm a broken sinner who can't do this alone. So I accept what's next. What's the next piece of advice that you would give to someone who has just come in and says, okay, I just grabbed Jesus's hand. Now what? Huh? <laughs> now I cheer and throw a party for you. And then Figure out how to spend time with him every day. Not in a crazy legalistic, you have a checkbox, but he. how are you going to get to know him if you don't spend time with him? Sure. And how is God going to speak to you if you're not spending time in his word? So we talk about them in the Navigators as the disciplines, mm-hmm. and I know other places use those words too, but how spending time in prayer, spending time reading the Bible, memorizing a verse, which is kind of scary when you first start, but not so hard the more you do it. Um, and I think, you know, we have a little pamphlet that talks about spending seven minutes, seven minutes with God. So it's not like, and now your first two hours of the day yeah. should be in Bible study before you leave for work. Oh, that'd be great if you have time for that. But just that habit of how am I going to spend time with this person that yeah. I just committed to? I mean, it's a new eternal relationship. And if I'm not spending time with Ben, things are not going well in our marriage. Right. And so... Yeah, that's what with students or friends that come to know Jesus, that's the first thing we're starting with is, okay, let's figure out how can we get you reading the Bible? How can we get you spending time with him? Yeah. To know him. Yeah. You know, the first verse I memorized was Philippians 4, 6, because 
as as I am who I am, I deal with anxiety and and stress and and anger and this angst that's inside of me that is a combination of all of those emotions I just mentioned. And as it turns out, Philippians four six is a super easy verse to memorize. Don't worry about anything. Don't be. Don't have anxiety about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Yes. And that's it. And it's like, oh, okay, super easy verse to memorize. And so for you listeners out there, if you're if you're just diving in and you're like, oh, I have to memorize a verse, it can be Philippians 4, 6, there you go. Uh, especially if you're someone who wrestles with anxiety and, and, and struggles with that. Since you have witnessed so many people coming to faith. Who have been rescued out of situations that that for for you and and maybe for me and for others might be just unfathomable. Mm-hmm. These situations that some of those these folks come into, come into faith from, and what Jesus rescues them out of. Is there a a story or an instance that comes to mind when you think of like, you know, like Jesus healed a leper and then healed a blind person and then healed a, a lame person and 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 all of that? But I just yesterday watched Jesus heal an alcoholic. Mm. Like I watched that happen. And so, and I tell those stories all the time about like, Jesus is still performing miracles mm-hmm. every single day. Is there one that, that comes to mind that jumps out for you? That is a story that you'd like to share? Yes, I would say, and this is from a few years ago, before we even work for the navigators, I was working at a Christian publishing company. And so there were lots of friends there, but in particular, two other friends and I, so three of us in our mid twenties, all newly married, all kind of new to the workforce post-college. And um, there was a girl that worked in our department, 17, was a temp. And we all just sort of adopted her into our friend group and tried mm-hmm. to get to know her. And, you know, what is she doing here? And she knew nothing about Jesus, but was ended up as a temp in this Christian company. And yeah, so we would have lunch with her, get to know her. Got to know her boyfriend. Ben and I, you know, went on a double date with them. And eventually, after a few months, we found out she was pregnant. Mm. So she moved in with her boyfriend. We were still supporting her and just loving her. Again, not that, well, you better get everything figured out before you meet Jesus. But let's just keep introducing her to Jesus. And he can figure out what she needs to do with her life. Um, And at one point, yeah, she started sharing that things were not going well, that he was abusive, that she was worried for herself, but especially for this baby. Mm. And so we just kept loving on her and sharing with her. And she was very interested in the Bible. She wanted to read the Bible at work. She wanted to know more about Jesus. And so Ben and I told her at one point, hey, if you ever need help, you can call us like anytime, night or day, we will be there. And so shortly after the baby was born, we got a call one night at 10 or 11 at night. Like, I can't do this. I need you to come right now. Can I move in with you? So we were like, okay, you know, like, here we go. We had said, call us, we'll help you day or night. And now here she was. And so suddenly this like 18 year old and her five month old baby moved into our second bedroom in our tiny little apartment. And we just got to, now we weren't only just sharing over the lunch hour at work, but she was living there and we had so much opportunity to share with her. So she shortly after that prayed to trust Jesus, started coming to church with us and was just surrounded by this community. Which I think is amazing. A lot of times people come to Christ more, Mm -hmm. I think, when there's a community or there's friends. It's not just one person. Um, And so, yeah, we got to watch her life change. And she changed her life, which made a difference for her son's life. And, yeah, put her on a whole different trajectory. So it was amazing. So that son would be 20-something now. Yes. Yes. Have you heard 
No, any, any Ben update, and I were anything? just talking about them the other day, and I need to try to track her down because it's, you know, we've moved across the country multiple times and yeah. lost touch, touch with each other. But it would be fun to hear it would be. what they're it, up to these days. It would yeah. be fascinating to know. Mm-hmm. So if you do get an update, we're going to have to schedule a second session <laughs> okay. just yes. so that I can plug in because I'm going to have some listeners that go, well, I want to know about this baby that's yes. now 25 years old. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I want to move into to a more getting to know you, and I we're we're calling this the lightning round of questions. The idea behind this is that we want to get to know guests on the show so that the listeners can connect. Because it's not like I have Justin Bieber sitting on the show where everyone knows who it is and all of that. Maybe someday he'll be a guest. They're points of connection that sure. that when you say, "Oh, you know, this person and I have the same favorite movie," so maybe. This person and I have a little more in common and I'm able to take their advice a little differently than someone whose favorite movie is Citizen Kane. And I just don't I, like really <laughs> the whole movie's about a sled. Spoiler alert. What's your favorite movie? I think I'm going to go with The Princess Bride. It's classic. I've loved it forever. I can watch it at any point. Yeah. All right. Love it. Can quote most of it. Yeah. There you go. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Philippians. What's your favorite verse of the Bible? Psalm 16, 5 and 6. All right. If you could have dinner with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? My kids' birth moms. So I'll give you a pass on the fact that I said (laughs) anyone, meaning singular. You get a pass because it's two. Um, Totally okay. What do you hope God says to you when you meet him? Well, I think of the verse, well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe he'll say that in a different way or like, yes, but I'm proud of you. Way to go. You did what I wanted you to do. A crisp high five. Yes. Yes. What's your favorite word? Favorite word? Oh, gosh. This is a good question. What comes to mind is onomatopoeia, which is just a really fun word. It is a fun word. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to go with. All that's right. That's the first one that jumped into my head. What's your least favorite word? Moist. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that word. Even though it is useful and it does describe it's things. It's incredibly like, descriptive. In a very clear way. But somehow that word has just gotten hijacked for me. Sorry. I, I, you're not the only person. That, that word has been hijacked for a lot of people. Yes, yes. Um, what noise or sound do you love? My coffee maker brewing in the morning. Ooh. What noise or sound do you hate? The sound of someone like slurping through a straw, but the cup is empty. And it's just that horrible, I don't even know how to describe, but ooh, my daughter was just doing that the other day in the car. Mm. And I was like, it's right now, that has to be done. <laughs> no. Okay. If you weren't... A mom of two. The the question is, if you weren't doing your current occupation, what would you most like to do? I don't want you to pretend like the life that you have now doesn't exist at all. Sure, sure. But if you had to get a job to earn a paycheck and you could choose anything, what do you think you'd choose? I say this on a regular basis to Ben, but it changes constantly. So recently I said, maybe I should be a nurse. And he was like, <laughs> really? You're going to go back to nursing school now and start a new career? But some most recently that has sounded interesting to me. Hmm. I don't have any training for it, so it's not like I could get a job tomorrow. But yeah, no, but but that's a, yeah. a career that interests you. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. That's it. That's all we've got. The la- The thing I'll ask finally to end this is I'll ask if you would seal us up in prayer. Oh, sure. Father, we're so grateful for how you work in our lives. And it's mysterious and we don't understand it. And the path to finding you feels very straight and direct for some people and very circuitous and complicated and circular for others. And I'm glad that it's not one way, that we are individuals, that you created each of us individually and knit us together in our mom's womb. And likewise, our path to finding you is unique and individual, just how you designed us. And so, Father, I'm 
so thankful that you met me in my very young years and that you met Packy in a many years later, but that both of those are just miraculous mm. and just a sign of your goodness and your grace to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. And would you continue to give us curiosity and a willingness to talk and share with others that we meet each day? We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time and for your efforts. And of course, thank you so much for all the prayers over the years. <laughs> of course. Thanks for walking with us. We'd love to continue to bring you this content and more with no commercials. Please consider supporting us by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting us on Patreon, where we are walking with Jesus. Blessings, everyone.